Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Uh, I'm pumped today because I have um, a friend of a friend, uh, Debbie Shear. We're going to talk about uh, her life, her journey, um, what she does professionally, what she has going on. And she's a friend of Sarah Blanchard from Dear White Women Podcast. And I knew Sarah from Jen K. So I have all these fabulous, uh, strong females coming into my world to talk about their incredible journeys. So um, I'm pumped about this conversation. Um, I don't <laughs> tell a lot of background. I let you guys kind of tell your journey. So without further ado, Debbie, give us a, give yeah, us the life story. Hi. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. First yes, of all. Yes. So the life story. Wow. I'll try and give the cliff notes version because okay. you know, other, I'm 52. So we'll be here a long time. She's got lots of interesting stuff too. So I'll say how I, I got to where I am today, which is I'm a humorist and an MC an auctioneer and a public speaker and do some humor coaching and we can chat about what that means. But how I got to, to comedy work, which is really the, the beginning, is I had been working in the nonprofit sector for eight years, loving it. Okay. Loved the organization I worked for, the people I worked with, and the mission. And I then decided, my ex-wife and I decided at the time we had adopted our first child and we were thinking about adopting a second that I would stay at home. And be a stay-at-home mom because the reality is what we were paying in daycare compared sure. to my nonprofit salary. Sure. It's just the real the real deal. And so I did, and I stayed home for quite a few years. And then in 2013, out of the blue, she told me one night after dinner, you know, I'm not in love with you anymore, and I want a divorce, and I'm moving out. And it was really, yeah, see, even you're shocked. Yeah. And it's like not even your story, but Ugh. it was really shocking and gut-wrenching and terrifying yeah. and so what I decided is to try something that was maybe a little bit scarier than what I was going through to take my mind off this first scary thing and I don't think that's great advice I don't know if really I, I actually I think that's a healthy coping mechanism I mean yeah I can think of a lot of things I would have done not well, that <laughs> I guess it's yeah I guess you're right there are other things yeah. I could have done and so I decided to try stand-up comedy. I'd always loved comedy. I'd written sketch comedy, but never did anything with it. And so reached out to a friend of mine. She connected me with someone who was running an open mic. And she, this host willingly gave me some time, which is really, I'm really grateful for that and so gracious of them. They wanted, you know, they love to have veterans and they love to have yeah. newbies. And I was yeah. such a newbie. So I think I had three minutes, maybe five, which is a, that's a long a, a minute's a very long time long time on a mic when you're terrified yeah. it just is did you not to interrupt but did you do like public speaking before or like any background on this because these are bold moves I know right I yeah. don't know see that's I don't know I was out of my mind I guess okay. with fear and that just drove me I I did some speaking but nothing yeah. major okay no, nothing okay major so I remember thinking before I got onto the stage for my time I'm going to die I mean I really felt like I was going to have a heart attack I was starting to have a panic attack I mean you're so vulnerable like it there's nowhere to run and the lights are like they're nicer than we have right here yeah <laughs> it was right yeah and this was in a fabulous queer bar and so it was Denver I, if, yeah blush and blue and okay. so I felt really I know the people I know the owners so that part felt safe 
but sharing your soul. And I'm going to be honest, this was, you know, six years ago. I was doing some pretty awful breakup comedy because that's all I was drawing yeah. from. And it was really just a way for me to feel okay. <laughs> she deserved it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so I did it. And I remember thinking when I was done and I went back downstairs to the basement, oh, I just, I survived. I'm still here. Yeah. Right? I'm still here. And that truly was really the catalyst for me believing I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Like, this situation sucks. It's really scary. It's awful. It was thrown at me, unexpected, yeah. but I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Because look what I just did. I just got, And I didn't tell anyone that I was doing it. Oh, okay. Because I know most people would think you would want your, your peeps in the audience, but oh, I no. honestly thought... If I crash and burn, which is more likely the thing that will happen, I don't want anyone here that I know. Yeah. But I had about three or four friends that found out they came to support, and it was really great. Okay. It was really wonderful. Okay. The um, I don't know if this relates at all, but um, Sarah, the founder of Spanx, she like kept her idea for a year because she didn't want anyone to talk her out of it. See? So I didn't know if you didn't have friends that would be like, mm, let's do something else. Like no, maybe let's not do this. I was lucky. I had a lot. All of my friends. All of my friends were super supportive. Okay. Uh, I think my parents at the time were thinking, uh, <laughs> Well, if you're already what? kind of in vulnerable space, <laughs> yeah. and then you're like put a spotlight on it. Like they were that's, worried. Yeah. You know, they're your parents, and they were really yeah. worried about me. I was in a pretty vulnerable position. Yeah. Um, and then from comedy, I kept going back yeah. and okay. just kept doing it. But I quickly realized I was 45 at the time, 46 at the time. I was not going to be going to late night open mics. I yeah. had two kids. It's a different lifestyle for sure. It's a totally different. And it's a great lifestyle if you can do it. But let's be clear. I'm like tired. I want to be yeah. in bed by 830. 8.30 is pretty early, but I'm with you if I could. I mean, not asleep, but I will absolutely get under the covers at 8.30. Yeah. And then I might be up till 2 a.m. But I'm yeah. like in my bed. <laughs> and so I also looked around at my community and I thought there are a lot of things that are missing. And how can I bring what I think is needed to the communities that I love and care about. And I had been a sex educator for quite a few years. Oh, okay. And what I noticed was a lot of adults either were not getting good sex education as kids or didn't get any sex education. Now they're yeah. floundering around in adulthood. Yeah. And a lot of my friends in their 40s were getting divorced. And so they were re-entering the dating pool. Yeah. And I thought, oh. I feel like we need a space where people can talk about this stuff and we can answer these questions. So I created a show called Sexcom and I partnered with a brilliant person who um, is has her PhD in social work and is really a sexologist. And we did a show where the audience would ask anonymous questions. They'd write them down on index cards okay. and she would answer them from a medically correct standpoint. But I would provide that comedic sigh of relief okay. right this is like, like a live dr drew but like howard stern spin yeah, i love this awesome. okay and we ran this show for two and a half years i mean we still she's since moved to michigan okay but when she comes out we'll do a show that's so awesome it's great you'll have to let me know what it is and i'll post all this it stuff will. um because there's not knock on wood there's an audience coming we're still new yeah but a few things have actually like happened off connections yeah. and like connecting so that's, that's how it that's works awesome. right well and that's still relevant because my crew now i'm 39 we're getting to like the divorce stage See? unmarried single still for me but like i'm seeing like the flip of things yeah. and it's really unfortunate that that's a piece of the combo but it is it is yeah and so from there i i um thought okay there's still more that needs to be brought out into the light. And so I partnered with a woman who is really affectionately known as my comedy wife. And Love. she's 
a brilliant improv comic. I am here to say I'm terrified of improv. I am really? a stand-up comic by trade. I love that. Okay. But I have so much respect for improv comics. And we created a show called Broadsided Comedy, an estrogen-fueled comedy show. Okay. And that was really to address women in their late 30s and beyond to talk about things that society isn't talking about. So yeah. we wanted to talk about body image. Yeah. Like you have a body, you have a belief about your body and it doesn't go away when you're 52. Right. And you might not even be conscious that that belief is like circling in your mind and it's kind of guiding what you're doing on the daily. Yeah. So we created this show that involves sketch comedy and stand up and we always included an educational component and just wanted to bring to the stage for mostly women, but we had a lot of men who would come to our show Let's talk about these things. Let's talk yeah. about how do you develop friendships when you're in your late 40s. Yeah. That's a yeah. That's a different thing. Yeah. It's, and it's so, hard to make friends. Yeah. It was great. So How'd you guys get the word? I don't mean to interrupt you, but how yeah. do you guys, how'd you get the word out about these things? Like, how are people finding out right. where these conversations were happening? Right. So we would, you know, the first show that I did was at Blush and Blue, and so they helped promote. They did a great job. Okay. And then I would promote through my social media, you know, network, my website. And then... Um, for broadsided comedy, we kind of rotated venues and then we landed at the Clock Tower Cabaret, which oh, is okay. like one of my absolute hands down best venue in Denver. I love that place. And the people who own it are amazing and they support women in the arts fully. Okay. And so they would push it. And so they were doing their own marketing. We were doing our marketing. So you kind of so. had like a base. That's because it really, to get that off the ground and find like that channel to speak to, like the yeah. community's there. But the challenge is always like, how do we get the word out to the right people? Like, right. To it's show hard. up and buy tickets. Right. Because right. people want it, but if they don't know it exists. Yeah, right. absolutely. And 40, 50, 35, 40, 50 plus, not everybody's on social media. Right. So that's a whole other situation. Exactly. But so, yeah, I mean, it's exactly amazing right. that you guys got what you got going with, you know, yeah. the grassroots efforts in the community. I know. It was really fun. And so now I'm, I, you know, and comedy is fun it, and doing the shows was fun, but it's not, for me anyways, it wasn't. A financial sure you just it's a passion project it's a passion project yeah. and those are so important to have but yeah welcome to mine exactly <laughs> here's your passion yeah. project you love this it. is why i'm and asking i'm like how'd you get the word out let me get a pen really quick someday yeah. y'all yeah i know but it's true it's true yeah. it's finding that balance right between totally. what's paying the bills and hopefully what's paying the bills is still something that you love to do yeah but then there's that really heart-centered you know creative thing that that i've been lucky enough to partner with women who are just amazing yeah and so we're allowed to have fun in that way yeah well it, it's it, it's so helpful when you have that community whether it's a venue or a friend that's pushing you or just something that you can have like someone else's eyes on your project or be like you know call it this person and you know have them on your cast or book this venue yeah. and all those little plays I mean it really does take a village to get stuff off totally. the ground always um but and on the flip side of that that's also how you make some of your good friends later yeah, in life and yeah. um I don't know provides like these really authentic channels to connect absolutely I mean Taryn the woman that I do broadsided comedy with we we are each other's like rock. Yeah. I mean, I've laughed more with this person. I've certainly cried more with this person. And it is true. And that was a relationship, a friendship that really didn't develop until we were in our 40s. Okay. So, you know, it is comforting to know, yeah, you can have these really solid 
beautiful friendships. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, one of my friends, um, she was on my cast, I've known her since like second grade, actually kindergarten, I think. But she's like, you know, the whole first half of your life, same age as me, you're kind of just figuring it out. And then the second half, you're like actually doing what you want to do. Yeah. And I'm like, well, holy shit, does that mean we're halfway there? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I, I got know. a lot of stuff to I do. Think, I know. Well, there's a great group in Denver, Second Act Women. Okay. And, oh, I think I've um, heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Another friend. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, weren't they just on the news or something? Oh, yeah. They're yes. phenomenal, okay. Barbara and Lupe. And they yeah. really created this because they had both been, you know, um, had experienced ageism. And yeah. they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not done when we're in our we're 40s just getting started. and 50s and 60s. <laughs> yes, we have a lot of value and a lot of worth. So yeah. they have a wonderful group for people who are in their 40s and maybe trying something new. Like for me, I was working in nonprofits and then had this, you know, kind of um, – catalyst for change really is what it was yeah. and then took a major turn pivot what's well, so far i don't know if you're big into like energy or intuition or anything like universe um or religion i kind of say however you package it it's similar yeah um but it's so funny i see like and i say this a lot on the cast my type a strong like we're gonna do things the right way we were organized we got it together like universe has to like fully kick you in the yeah. gut to yep. be like okay I need you to pay attention now. Like, here's where yeah. you're supposed to be going. Absolutely. And it almost takes something that, like, really breaks you down. Well, it's funny. After we got divorced, I have I had a good friend who um, is a Reiki master. Oh, and yes. okay. she came over and was doing, you know, a lot of just healing work on me. And she said to me that the situation is you needed this to happen in your life. Yeah. Like, give your ex the thanks that she deserves because yeah. you would never be doing comedy. You would never be emceeing or speaking or auctioneering. Any of these things yeah. would not have presented themselves. Isn't that crazy? So I am grateful for that. You know, yeah. while in the moment it was awful, yeah. I am so grateful. Yeah. Right? So. I mean, yeah, you, I think you really have to turn back and look at stuff in your life and be like, that was terrible, but yeah. thank God that happened. Yeah, for um, sure. Sure. But it's also like, damn, does it got to be that intense? Know, <laughs> like, right? But you know what? You just said it best. And that's what my friend Angel said. Sometimes you're not getting the messages that, right. are, that are being gently lobbed at you. Yeah. And so the universe says, okay, fine. I'm going to bitch We tried <laughs> yeah. to do it your way and it didn't work. So yeah. let's really shake it up. Right. And these, again, so. I when I have these conversations, it's my quote unquote smartest, strongest, most resilient humans. Yeah. And it takes like that full breakdown, yep. breakthrough to like get to the next level. Yeah. For sure. So, um, do you know the Bovine Theater yeah. by chance? We just yeah. did it. Um, uh, it was one of my friend's husband's 40th birthday. Oh, fun. They rented it out. And oh. the improv, the yes. way they can operate. I know. Oh, my God. Cerebral humans. I like, know. quick, smart, witty, like, unreal. Super. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I watch. feel like they could be doctors or improv. One yeah. of the two. It's pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love watching it. So we have we have comedy, yep. breakdown, breakthrough, comedy, and yeah. what, what part? What was your nonprofit space? Just out of curiosity. Uh, reproductive rights. Oh, okay. Because yeah. yep. I, as we keep going, I love um, hearing how different pieces of the story kind of culminate yeah. to this thing, and again, yeah. unintentionally so. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so at comedy, and where are we at? Is that bring us to to current yeah, now? So comedy was great. I loved it, and then as a result, a lot of people started to ask if I would speak come speak about things because my comedy was more comedic storytelling and you know I'm not I've never been a one-liner comic although I love one-liner comics <laughs> I just that's not my jam and my audience was not you know a traditional comedy audience and so 
what I was being asked to do was really come to speak about things that were difficult to talk about and bringing humor to the table. Yeah. And that's what I love to do. That's my passion. And so I was started to talk a lot about transracial adoption. My two boys are adopted and they're African-American and talk about white privilege because the only lens that I can speak from is being a white mom of two black boys, right? Yeah. That's my lens, but it's my responsibility to speak about it for sure. And so, you know, we don't talk about grief in this country. So how can we have a conversation about grief and use humor really as the way to dig a little bit deeper to find the nuggets that do live within each story and each topic, regardless of how challenging it is, difficult, painful it is, there's still the funny is to be found. Sure. Right? Sure. And so I do a lot of that and I, and that, yeah, so it's all just, it's so interesting saying it this way and like kind of, you know, this little path that leads yeah. you right and the little breadcrumbs yeah. and you're like oh I, I'll try this bread this pumpernickel breadcrumb takes yeah. me to the left well what will that be like so. when your skill set from like five years ago somehow plays in and right. it's like all, all the whole puzzle kind of like fits together yeah. and again it's just so ironic because you know we're planned and we try and we're strategic yes. and it's like oh shit well there is a large yeah. order <laughs> someone, exactly someone else was planning this the whole time yes. like I could have taken a load off it is funny you know? and then I was emceeing the whole time people would ask me to come emcee events which I love and then in 2016 I thought okay I love stage I love connecting with nonprofits. I love connecting um through humor so I went to auctioneering school Yes, to get my which I found this very fascinating. I know, tell us, it, it tell exists, us a little bit right? about it. Yeah, yeah. I went to a great school, Worldwide College of Auctioneering, and uh, the one of the most amazing experiences of my life, where I learned some lessons that I didn't even know I needed to learn. Right, that yeah. I I thought I walked in and knew a lot about myself and walked out going, "Wow, that was such a powerful experience." Okay, and so more from more of an experience than just learning about auctioneering because sure. that's that's important but you can watch a video and learn about it but it's just the people I engaged with you know I was really in a space with people who were fundamentally absolutely opposite from me I would think right? so we're, which, which makes different. it so cool it was cool and it's really where I saw yet again that there's still threads that connect us all sure and in we're in such a fractured time right now and really a wounded time in yeah. our country that we have to find those threads that connect us well I hope this is the breakdown breakthrough of our country <laughs> like, right yeah it's I mean I really think so and I, I, I mean I always say I think the silver lining regardless of what side of the fence you sit on politically is that Whatever the conversation is, it's creating conversation. It's yeah. cultivating conversation. And our kiddos, you know, they they don't I, I, when I they don't care in the way that they're open minded beyond you know our generation. Right. And they care about what's happening. And they're engaged, but you know they don't care what you're doing, who you're sleeping with, why. It's right. like we'll share an Uber, we'll share an Airbnb, we share everything. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, and so I think because of the political system, it's, you know, cultivated these conversations to yeah. our young people. Yeah. And at this point, that's really what matters. I hope so. Um, I hope so, too. I, mean... I hope they show up for the vote. <laughs> like, we, got, we got work to do. Yes. Um, but Thank I just, you. I saw a snippet this morning on the news that, um, oh, God, it wasn't Iowa. One of the states, um, 
Bernie came in number one. But anyways, they, I think so. Mm-hmm. And they, they had three times the amount of voters. Don't quote me on anything. Sarah's podcast, they're so good about stats. We won't quote you yeah. on anything. You can say. basically just say whatever you want. <laughs> this is like Wikipedia. Nobody's going to fact check you. Yeah, okay, if that's our plea, don't fact check anything that's said from this point <laughs> Ever. Like, from ever. Sarah and me, Sasha were here, and they're because like, they're so strategic. They're very, so yeah, smart. Absolutely. And I think they were looking at me like a wild beast, like, okay, she's 60% accurate 100% of the time, so we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I have faith that our young people are showing up. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a little bit, and there's, there's my kids. Yeah, as, two, they're or really adorable dogs. Yeah. Here. I always let them just be in the mix. Usually Cleo's sitting under us. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us a little bit about this. Okay. Well, actually, sorry. Let's steer yeah. back really quick just to auctioneering. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about like, that community. Yeah. Cause I'm totally stereotyping yeah, 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 it as like, um, the stock show right. and Absolutely. all of that. Well, I mean, and, and there were people in my class, you know, there were third generation auctioneers who, who grew up in the cattle industry okay. and, you know, started auctioneering or listening at the age of four, okay. right? How cool is that to have yeah. this like multi-generational experience for your family? So there are cattle auctioneers, there are auto auctioneers, there's, you know. Art auction. Art auction, oh. real estate auction. Yeah. So it really runs the continuum and each has a different vibe, I think. You know, cattle auctioneers are what you probably historically are thinking of incredibly fast yeah incredibly fast talkers same with auto auctioneers but then when you look at art auctioneers well they can't really speak that fast right it's a different beast um and i'm assuming same with real estate that's not what i do but i work with nonprofits and schools so i'm a benefit auctioneer so okay, so like we, fundraisers and yeah, stuff? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So all I do are fundraisers. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. And I love it. And I work with clients, and really, I strategize with a client to set up their one-time event to be the most successful as possible, because there are so many, and you don't know it until you do it enough and you're in it, there are so many um, just slight missteps sure. when planning an event that can have really major negative consequences yeah. and those slight missteps or you can take just a small step in the other direction and it just opens up the world of fundraising okay. so i love that part being very strategic and so you almost consult alongside performing always. the service absolutely awesome yeah. okay yeah all right well hit great. up debbie if you're looking for that yes um, great. okay so how so we're at auctioneering yeah. and now what does that I bring know. us to current right yeah kind of i okay. mean now the current the current pool is um speaking and um, emceeing and auctioneering and comedy when I can. I mean, I'll do comedy anytime somebody asks me if I'm available, I will do it for sure. I love it and I think it's great stage time and mic practice, you know, it's just really important. Um, But the speaking has been really fulfilling for me. And then the newer thing that's come up is this humor coaching, which is so funny to say out loud. And we need a new word from coach. Can you think of a new word? Um, I don't know. You mean for coach? Yes. It's so, I feel like it's overused. Like humor leading or, um, I don't know. Because I'm with you because I've had like like lifestyle coach and this coach and it's, um, I want to say like humor consultant because it's yeah, almost like, yeah, that works. like I'm guiding you a little yeah. bit, but then it's like you set him free. Yeah. I don't, I mean, yeah. I don't even know what the I setup like is, that. but yeah, you know, that feels better, but it's really just, I've had a lot of people over the years say, can you help me write this presentation or infuse it with more yeah. humor? And so humor coaching is really for people who want to connect with their audience through humor. Yeah. People who want to find their personal style of humor, what that is, because we all have, we all are funny. Right. We are. And there are people, I've met people say, I'm not funny. And just spending a little bit of time with them, I can weed that out. (laughs) And it's just finding that, right? Because 
and using it appropriately. There's yeah. certainly appropriate and inappropriate humor, and you wouldn't use inappropriate humor in a talk, I would hope. Maybe you would. I don't know. Depends on the audience. I don't know, right? Know your audience. So yeah. I work with people to do that, to help them connect with their audience and just infuse more humor in their life. Well, I hope our... Uh future politicians or current politicians seek out to you because the one-liners I don't know if you've watched any of the debates a few oh my I'm like really like you pay all these for like you know rhetorical criticism I was a comm major so and by no means was I you know deep in it but you have really gifted speech writers I know please get a comic to like consult with you on these like really bad mom and dad jokes which no hate to my mom and dads but it's brutal man well and then you're only accessing a portion of the population right that's gonna land with certain people really well but then you've yeah. got an entire, you know, rest of the demographic that's left out. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, so I um, I think I told you in our phone conversation, and I was so pumped today because this, I was telling Debbie, one of uh, a few conversations I've had where we didn't know each other. And this right. Connective and Connect. So the conversation right now, we didn't even really do a lot of warm-up, is so, I mean, you guys are hearing it as we're having it. And I, right. and I love that because um, the authenticity in the convo is so pure. Um, and one of the other people that I interviewed, um, Elise Smith, mm-hmm. we talked about fatness fiction. Mm-hmm. Incredibly, I think two PhDs, really mm-hmm. smart human being. But when, as I was speaking with her, and she, we were at an event, and she was the MC, and um, it was, uh, uh, the theme was uh, Be Golden, un- unapologetic unapologetically authentic and we conversated around you know racism colorism fatness fiction like we got into it and it's a certain human that's there like you are if you know you're showing up for that you know what combos we're gonna have so even though they're uncomfortable you kind of have an audience that's prepped for that right um but when I was watching her MC she was talking about these heavy conversations and the way she could like lay in the comedic portion it's like we're having this heavy combo but it was so digestible because yeah. you were laughing alongside it yes. and the power of that humor to like yes. usher in a deeper message to hit home it's huge it's unbelievable so it if, is. if you can you know put that into like the homes of america and yeah. the world beyond yeah um i think that's how we really open up doors yeah. and now with where we're at politically and our you know everything it's now's the time right. absolutely so yeah and i think humor and, and laughter both of those things yeah. and they're not they don't always go hand in hand. I mean, there are many things you probably find humorous, but you're not laughing. Right, right. right. And then and then we always have laughter that's not tied to something humorous, whether you're getting laughing because of something that's so inappropriate. I was just at a meeting the other night, and um, my friend was also in the meeting, and I got a text message, and I read it, which was a mistake and not cool on my part. And I thought, I cannot make eye contact with this person. We will both just dissolve into the, you know, church giggles. So, and there wasn't even anything funny. It was just that space, right? That tension. But we know humor is used as a way to connect us. I mean, we are social creatures and we survive through connection. Yeah. And so researchers have found now, like they can date humor back so, so long because they really do think that relief that laughter brings kind of takes us out of that fight or flight. Yeah. And then we're bonding, right? And now we have this moment of, oh my gosh, it's release and relief. And so I do think using very appropriate, and that's the key word, humor, when you are talking about difficult conversations, allows the audience to take a breath and to just settle Mm -hmm. for a second. And that can change the entire energy of the room and their entire mindset, right? And then they can dig a little bit deeper. Right. And then you know the exact place to where you need more humor, right? To get them to go a little bit deeper. Yeah. So it's not, 
you know, a lot of people have said to me, you can't use, you can't make fun or use humor to talk about transracial adoption. And I always say, but I'm not, I'm not making fun of that topic. Adoption to me, I'm adopted. I've adopted siblings. I've adopted children. I am very much involved in the adoption community. And I find the decision to adopt one of the most serious decisions you can make. Sure. We're not making fun of it. We're using humor to elevate the entire experience yeah. and the entire conversation around it. And that's the difference. Sure. And so, and I think there's a nuance to that. Well, I feel like it almost adds such a human, like humanization, is that a word? Like it a human We're not going to research yeah. it to find out. <laughs> it's right next to Bootylicious. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I, I don't I do think humor is so important and when you are like when you speak from that space and you have the ethos of like I, I can you know not make fun of but like laugh about white women's behavior because I'm a white woman right. and like the things that you know we do Starbucks and Ugg boots and and again when it's appropriate for that conversation mm -hmm. but I do think it's important that we pull back and like there are funny things about stuff we do like if I have three brothers in their man beast like there's funny things about that absolutely and and yes I do think it's a it's a bonding point right. um and if you can start with like a little bit of humor, it's just like you said, it like peels back layers for us to go deeper and right. deeper. Absolutely. Um, and in a divided world at this point, like we really need that. Yeah, absolutely. We need to figure out a way to reconnect yeah. because we are so fractured. In fact, I was just, you know, in social media, I know gets a bad rap. I love social media for so much. Okay. And really ultimately, Nothing that's technology should ever get a bad rap because it's the humans behind it. It's responsible. Yeah. Right. We're the ones that need to be responsible. <laughs> yes. So instead of blasting Facebook or whatever we're blasting, go after the humans that are using it in a way to harm. Yeah. Right. That's my thing. Like if you can't have a conversation on this platform that is still engaging the human quality, then yeah. get off of it. Well, and I think that starts a step before, like our kiddos. Like, yeah. what is the conversation? What are we teaching our kids at home? What are we teaching them in school? What are we teaching them at practice? Um, what's happening off of social media that's inspiring this and or right. you know, contriving this behavior? Mm -hmm. um, because there's a step before that. You right. know, it's it's right. it's how are we raising our kids essentially. Right. Um, that I think is is such a big piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, and. I've said this a lot on this cast, my major passion point from, because I'm a branding marketing professional, and, you know, old school philosophy, if reality is nothing more than uh, applied meaning, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of construct all these things, put mm -hmm. it together, who's creating that? Right. And if, if our kiddos are digesting the stuff, they have cell phones, you right. know, at six months, right. then they're drinking in literally these ads and, right. and, you know, this perception of their reality from right. Instagram or computer or YouTube of kids unwrapping toys, now we've lost control literally yeah. of what they're learning. Right. Um, right. So... With that, how do you, you know, kind of having all the experience you have, mother of two, eight and 12? Uh, nine, nine and 12 and a half. Nine and 12 yeah. and a half. And the half's huge. That's big. Well, it's huge to him. <laughs> yes. I mean, oh, for sure. He's like, and now it's even, he's, he's going to be 13 in June, which okay. is, wow. Oh, you're a teenager. Yeah. You're driving in three years. Well, so mom. he thinks. No, he's <laughs> I've explained oh, to him, like, let me talk to you about your prefrontal cortex <laughs> and why there's no reason any human should be behind a car until they're 25. Uh, I, really. I completely agree. Well, I've told both my kids, once you can navigate the you know transit system, once oh, okay. you know how to use light rail and the bus system to get to and from, then we'll talk about acceptable a, a vehicle i think that's it's fair. terrifying I, to me really i'm just buying time dude, i have no idea what to do I, well i know i'm older when i get back around because i'm like you know 16 wasn't that long you know far ago then i get around a 16 year old i'm like oh 
My goodness. It hit okay. me hard when we went to his middle school open house. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, it was in the summer. It was hot. And I remember walking in those doors, and it was just a sea of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And I thought, <laughs> what is, what, what is that odor? Like, <laughs> it's I hormones. Just, my eyes were watering, and I looked around, and the parents could smell it. But oddly, none of these kids really made any, any, like, physical anything that, they were literally just functioning in a sea of body odor. And I thought, whoa, and there's no AC in these old schools. And I thought, okay, my new job is going to be to stand outside the school every morning and just hand out deodorant to whoever whomever needs it. I just, it was fascinating. But yes, so we're in it. And I'm, you know, marching towards menopause. So we have got all the combos in our house. And it is the real deal. Yeah. We're not talking about that enough. Oh, well, so how so how does humor literally overlay some, you don't have to get into specific combos, but like how, I mean, how has all your experience, sense of humor, like, you know, God-given skill set and now like yeah. learned skill set, how has this been applicable for parenthood, especially oh. for young boys? Well, for me, it's allowed me, I have been told that I might have some control issues. I don't know who these people <laughs> Again, the are. Breakdown, break, the universe is already, we already, we have the picture painted. I don't know who these people are, but clearly they're not friends of mine. But so, I mean, I have had to use humor because you have to let go of control when you're a parent. You just For have sure. to, or you are going to lose it in yeah. multiple ways. And so it's really just those moments that are so difficult and challenging. I really try to find something funny and usually I'll write about it. And, and, you know, create it that way and just say, okay, we're going to be okay. And, and having your support system, I have some mom friends that are just, I know I can reach out to them any time of the day and they've got me. Yeah. Right. Like the, we all have our support, yeah. whatever that looks like to you. Which, and I, I'm not a parent, but with, with my dogs, um, if you see any of my social media, they run my life. Cleo yeah. is, her name is Cleopatra because I wanted her strong female name. Little did I know this animal, she, if my good friends will be like, oh no, that's a human. Yeah. Like her and then now Colette's in the, the tribe. So I'm yeah. on third on the totem pole. See? So I've let go of control there, yeah. <laughs> willingly yeah. so. Yeah. So I can only imagine what it's like for a kiddo. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And, and luckily, my nine-year-old is really a hilarious guy. He okay. just auditioned yesterday for the school talent show, and he wanted to yes. do comedy. Oh, my God. Yeah, he and a buddy of his wanted to do comedy. And so I was super excited, right? And I and I have this little, like, karaoke machine. I said, well, we're going to learn how to talk on the mic, and where are you going to hold the mic, and let's talk about pause and emphasis on words. And he picked up on that immediately, okay. but what I spent the majority of the three hours doing was trying to convince him that while he finds the word diarrhea hilarious <laughs> and bathroom humor, I am 52, I still think it's hilarious, it might not be the perfect place to do it at the school talent show. Acceptable. And he couldn't figure that out. Why? And I said... Well, you want to drop the word diarrhea into all these jokes, which actually have nothing to do with the bathroom, and so it just seems strange. Uh, it's going to be odd. But that might be his brand of comedy right there, though. And he even said to me, I mean, the guy is a salesman. He's like, uh, all of my friends think it's funny. Oh, oh, that's and like I a said, mom shape a little bit. Yes, they do. But 
those friends have parents who are also going to be in the <laughs> yeah. audience. So it's know your audience. Your audience is bigger than just your buddies, right? Yeah, yeah. It's bigger than nine-year-olds yeah. just laughing hysterically about diarrhea. Oh, my. Is this because he saw you do some of your comedy? Like, do they come he to your shows He saw my diarrhea comedy. Yeah. And he said, thanks, Mom. I want to be just like you. No. He, PTO is calling right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, um, oddly enough, they make fun of me doing comedy. Okay. Unless they feel it serves them. So there was, I had like an article written once about me in a magazine and they found that. And so that made them feel proud. But most of the time it's, it's a place of embarrassment. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that every kid? Every job. Like I I think that's a sign that all things are good. Like things are normal here. Like we're good. And my older son, you know, he's the one who'll just shrug. I mean, cause really four, four words an hour is max. And he'll just say, you're not really that funny. You know, his job right now is to just take me down all the notches that he, I mean, the oxygen I breathe is problematic. The way I chew my food, I cut my meat. It's like, Oh, I see where we're at. God. I 13, see where we're at. Here we come. Like the golden years are coming right at you. Ooh, the preteen is, I know, look alive. It is just, <laughs> it's really awesome. And I love them, but there are moments where, you know, and that's the, we don't talk about that. Like the moments, yeah. our culture has set it up to be a super mom or you're, or you're nothing. Right. Well, and yeah. I, I like that you just said you have like this crew of mom because again, I'm not a mom, but you know, dog moms, I don't know if there's mom shaming there, but I think a lot of moms strive to be like this perfect situation and have a job yeah. and be a spouse and do all this stuff. And it's, I mean, I, again, I can barely keep my small world yeah. together. I don't know how you do it. So I was happy to hear when you say you had a crew of moms, you can be like, do. okay, this is <clears throat> happening. What do I do? Or yeah. whatever the conversation. And it's usually be. just crying. Like we Marco yeah. Polo a lot. Which oh, that yes. might be totally out. I don't yeah. know if that's No, I love Marco Polo. Yeah. yeah. And they save forever, which is dangerous, oh, but awesome. This is problematic. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know moving this point yes. forward. But yeah. And so we'll Marco Polo each other and okay. just, you know, sometimes we're sobbing and sometimes we're, and it is, it's just the real deal. Yeah. And our culture says, unless, you know, parenthood is so hard, you have to drink your way through it. Yeah. That's another message. Yeah. That is really a problem. And I was, and I'm very open about this, I was that drinking mom big okay. time. I was that mom that sat on the front porch on the median with the other moms as our kids played when they were younger. And okay. we'd say 20 more minutes, which would be three hours because you finished off two bottles of wine. Yeah, This is very common among mom culture. And I, I don't drink anymore. I've been sober for over a year and a half. Congrats. But it has been very interesting to be sober and look at it through that lens. Interesting. Right? Okay. Because okay. when you're in it, I was going to Costco and buying my alcohol. I mean, that Oh, I, I think was, that's got to be Costco's like main revenue piece. Let but, me tell you, when yeah. I stopped drinking, I'm pretty sure they like lowered the flag halfway and they're like, oh, this is tragic. <laughs> like we got to get her back. We've this lost is, our biggest We're going to have to close our doors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I joke about it, but it's, it's pathetic, yeah. really. It's yeah. really, you know, sad to believe that the only way to show up as a parent is to have had a couple of glasses of wine. So it was that, no, again, this, I'm like, I mean, my friends are parents, I come yeah. from parents, and like drinking was always normal, like around yeah. in my household. Yeah. Um, but then we also had athletics, like there was balance to it, yeah. intentionally or not. Yeah. Um, but now I do see like Stapleton crew, not to call it Stapleton, that's where most of my, my friends as moms live. Mm-hmm. It is like, you know, and they all live close. So yeah. it's like drinking it's at the pool, great. drinking at whatever. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I'm not going to ever say that I didn't love it. I loved the relationships I had with moms and some of those have gone away. Because, you know, I find that when you stop doing something that other people are still engaging in, even if you never say a word about it, they start to question themselves. And the easiest way to avoid that is to just 
not be around you, right? Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get that. Which, I mean, and that's it, okay. It's you, the way it is. Yeah. Your life moves forward. Absolutely. I did a whole cast with my friend that was, that I knew from kindergarten, about alcohol. And she's yeah. like, her sister had quit drinking. Um, some people drink, some people don't. Usually people think the cast is about drinking. It's really the juxtaposition of, like, health and fitness. Right. And we'll have tequila here and there. But, um, of course. But we talked about, like, this whole conversation of alcohol, how it's so infiltrated into yeah. our world. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of kicks us back. Well, shoot, is that marketing? Because we yes. are getting these messages so early or is it because we grew up that way like where is it coming from and to not drink is so like it's it's the minority but not really but just perceived minority of things yeah and it's hard of the conversation of oh you don't drink um well do you want water do you know it's it's well and it's really hard for people who don't drink to go out now um i have a good friend um Emily Schrader, who just founded Bar Zero Denver. Oh, okay. And they're a sober catering company, and their goal is to open up a dry restaurant and bar. Wow. Because there is a need for it. And even my friends who drink have said to me, point blank, I would go there just because I don't need to drink every time I'm out. So if they have great food and it's maybe a little more quiet, the environment, I will absolutely support so Interesting. things are okay. changing, things are shifting and, and um, popping up. And there are a lot of great bartenders throughout town that are doing like mocktails and sure. mixology events, which is really cool. Sure. Because I love water, thankfully, yeah. so I'm okay. But, you know, every now and then I want to go out and have like a cool drink. Well, I'm in LaCroix you know? with like a twisted juice and a rosemary yeah. thing. Or so. I mean, there's Absolutely. all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. Um, and even if you're like a, not a non-drinker, there's many points in my life where I'm cutting out alcohol for training yeah. or, you know, something big the next day yeah. or clear detox or who knows. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But from a business standpoint, your margins are so huge with serving alcohol. Yeah, I don't know I how know. a restaurant would like make it without it. Truthfully. Um, so that would be interesting, but wow, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, and good mocktails cost. Almost That's true. The same. That's true. You know, I went, I did a fundraiser for this event and they had, I think six or eight, I can't remember of some of the best restaurants were represented and they sent their, their top of the line bartenders and they created drinks and then they were judged, right? They, we okay. had some celebrity judges and the audience got to judge their favorite drink. And these drinks, I kid you not, the quality and the ingredients, they're probably eight, nine, 10, 11, oh. $12 drinks. Okay. I mean, so, but I hear what you're saying. Like yeah. who's going to fund something where it's just soda water, you know, a dollar 50 yeah. here and there. I'm not uh, saying it couldn't happen. Yeah. No, I'm just I saying traditionally, you. cause you just, I mean the real it, estate downtown, I mean, it costs so much you're to right do all on this all stuff. That. And that is the biggest margin. Yeah. That's the, where the biggest markup comes. Right. So. But then you also don't have a liquor license you have to deal with. So that's another beat. I don't know. I'd be curious yeah. to hear more I'll about that. I'll keep you updated. Yes. Yeah, as okay. things progress. So. I love it. So well, so, okay. So we've got humor know, happening. Right? We've got mom. Yep. Um, any other like side projects happening that's, applicable it's kind of like tied because again yeah. i love how like there's this underlying base layer of humor of all things and now it's just like it's almost like the main mission's coming to fruition yeah yeah um yeah it always involves humor i'm actually starting a, a new open mic called moms on the mic okay and the reason why i'm starting that is i have been having a lot of conversations with moms really in their 40s and beyond although i i could see this happening mid 30s and beyond And they've been a mom for X amount of years. Maybe their kids are now off to middle school, which is an entirely different level of parenting, right? Their need for us, their perceived need for us is much less, right? Our need for them. Whoa. Yeah. We didn't, I was floored just to take a little sidestep, floored at the grief I felt with my son going to middle school. Wow. And loss and how there's 
we're not talking about that, right? Like, oh, yeah, let's unpack that a little bit. If you I don't mean, it was really fascinating. I have my youngest who's in third grade. He needs me at a level that he's needed me. And then my, you know, sixth grader goes off and it's just a totally different experience. Yeah. And he's moving into this teen and he's trying to it's kind of separate, right? Yeah. But we don't talk about that, that disconnection. Oh, right, okay. that they're naturally doing because they have to. It's a good thing. Yeah. But when the parent isn't necessarily ready for it, yeah, it's a lot. Okay. And whether that's right or wrong, this is where I, I always push back on, you know, and I have a lot of friends who are in, you know, in psychology and they're like, but this is a good thing. This is what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I hear that and yet it still hurts. Sure. So let's talk about that, right? Let's right. talk about what does that mean? And for a lot of moms, it means what do I do now? Oh, right? oh like so it's I, like a loss of identity a little it's, bit. It's a loss of identity. I mean, I know for me, when I quit my job and I became a stay-at-home mom, which was, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity, I did lose a piece of myself. Oh, I hear this all the time. So, And what are we doing about that, right? right? Like, that's a big deal. So in my conversations with moms who are a little bit younger than me, they're saying they're craving something. Yeah. And what I think they're craving is this outlet and this desire and drive to be heard. Right. I mean, I can tell you as a mom, how many times I say something and I'm like, well, nobody heard that. <laughs> just I'm mic just, on. Just, yeah. just, just, I should do it from my karaoke machine. Seriously, just time. bring the mic with you around just to know your sons and be like, all right, are you listening? <laughs> I mean, my sons listen when they hear the vacuum vacuuming up Legos because I've told him my favorite sound is the sound of Legos being vacuumed. And then they come running, right? It's like, ah. but these moms are saying, I want to, I have stuff to say yeah. and I want to be heard. And I thought, well, no better way than to create an open mic for moms. Well, dude, so, you have all the skills. This I is know. perfect. It's like, okay, we're here. Come on. Yeah. So we're doing it. It's going to be February 24th, which is Oh, Monday. you have like, so, okay. oh yeah, it's, it's happening. Come out with it's all totally this. Yeah, okay. You should come check it out. I'm Just here. I'm in it. And it's um, at Hope Tank, which is like my favorite store in Denver. They're on, they're on Broadway. Um, they're <laughs> down by Sweet Action Ice Cream. Oh, okay. And by, um... What's the Buffalo Exchange? Yes. So Hope Tank. And they're a wonderful store because every purchase, a percentage goes back to the community. Oh, cool. So they're way into giving back. Okay. They're amazing. Got such cool stuff like that down oh, there. Oh, my gosh. They really they do. do. They have a great store, and they're really inclusive. It's wonderful. And so we're going to host it there at the store because they have space cool. to do it. Okay. And it's it's going to be a traditional open mic. You come in. You sign up. It's, you don't have to do comedy if you want to. If you're a poet. Do poetry. If you sing, sing something. The point is for moms, and I want to be really clear, you don't have to be a mom of humans. You can be a mom of dogs, yeah. of cats. If you identify as a mom, you're a mom. I should just, I, I want to say you're just like a leader of humans in general. Exactly. Or animals, or I mean, yeah. someone that just, or just somebody that Come has on something down. to say. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just giving people a space to to get on a mic. I've, I've worked with a lot of women and moms who, that's a very scary thing for them. Yeah. And to get comfortable with talking on a mic and more importantly, get comfortable to being heard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you're going to have an audience of people who are there to 100% support. But, but I mean, if you pull that back... And, and see, because I've had so many of my friends, you know, that had kids later in life and, you know, they're accomplished. They had a degree or degrees, um, six-figure job, corporate world, whatever, and then you go home and it is such a life switch. But from my perspective, it's, 
you are now coaching to our future, these two, three, one, whatever young humans yeah. to digest the world accordingly and like shaping that, like that, the, your voice is more important there yeah. than it is to the rest of the world. Yeah. I totally get the psychological, yeah. you know, perception of like, now I'm on the mic and I'm in front of people, but like what really mattered is yeah. what you've been doing all this time. Totally. And they're going to be your harshest judges. Absolutely. So like, don't worry about the rest of the crew. Yeah. And they're probably drinking wine anyway. So yes. whatever. Yes. Exactly. Um, so I don't know, but like when you unpack that a little bit more, yeah. it's kind of funny. It's like, well, no, you're, the job you were just doing is actually the most important. You weren't yeah. getting six figures, and it was yeah. probably harder work. Right. But now we just need you to talk and, and speak about what's going on. Yeah. Um, do you think you'll get as many dads as moms? I I think there's one dad who's coming. Okay. Which is fine. I mean, we called it Moms on the Mic because my, my comedy wife, Taryn, and I were co-hosting it, and we're both moms. And we yeah. always look at what can we bring moms that maybe isn't. They don't have access to, right? right? And I've had some moms, interestingly enough, who've come up and said, will you take me to an open mic? Oh, okay. And I think, yes, girl, yes. yes. But let's find an open mic that is going to be, you know, comfortable for you. There are yeah. some open mics that maybe a brand new comic who's 40-something <laughs> years old and, you know, having her husband or partner or whoever babysit the kids might not feel as comfortable stepping into. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And we just, you know, I've had a lot of, Women in my life, for some reason, regardless of who their partner is, say, I just don't feel like I'm being heard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel I'm being heard. Well, oh do I hear that all the time with every human. Like, whatever, whether it's relationship or occupation or whatever, like, not being able to be heard. Yeah. But I usually think that comes back to, like, us using our voices. Well, absolutely. And what do we all need? We all need, we really do crave yeah. that somebody's listening to yeah, us. Yeah, of course. That's How good do you feel when you are able to... Say something in front of somebody, and you know for sure that they heard you. Yeah. It's yeah. the it's most, like, just rewarding thing. Yeah. It really is a comforting thing. And so to yeah. give people a space, come say it. We're yeah. going to listen to you and cheer you on. Well, and I would back it with embrace all that knowledge and wisdom. Just because it's not a degree or something yeah. else. Like, I mean, the things and stories and skill sets you probably pulled from raising your two kiddos – I mean, it's, you could, I mean, there should be a degree in that. Like I've a parent, I've been a parent. If you're going to be a parent, here's the degree you need. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Yes. Right. Cause oh. there's no, I mean, I was that parent when we were adopting our first kid, I d intentionally did not read anything. Oh, okay. And I'm not, not saying, what to expect when you expect yeah, or anything. And I wasn't These are the only cliches I know. Yeah. I'm like, I wasn't <laughs> pregnant. So it was one of those weird things. Like, I don't know. But I, and I'm not saying that's good. I just thought, I don't want anything to cloud. Yeah. There's so much information yeah. and so much contradictory information. So, well, yes. And that's yeah. what really, you can go down a rabbit hole. And so I thought, and I don't think that was the best idea. I think there are some things that okay. are worthwhile to read, yeah. right? Let's be clear about that. But like how to put in a car seat, that might've been great information uh, to have, or, you know, have a crib. It. Like when, when you adopt, you might wait two, three, four years but when that call comes, it's immediate. Okay. And so that happened with both of our kids. And we didn't have anything in the house because I was superstitious. So I didn't want oh, to I totally set understand. up the house. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when we came back from um, New Jersey with my our second child, he we had like, where's he going to sleep, right? His brother, wow. there's no, like, so he slept, honest to God, in like a little... I don't even know what it was called. Basically a box from Costco. Yes. I don't know. Let's not glorify it. It was the wine box. I'm just in, kidding. Yeah, it was, I was drinking then, so it probably was the wine box. In our closet. Okay. Like, 
You're you fine. just do what you do. And here you go. And then yeah. when he came out, there's a big joke. He's coming out of the closet. <laughs> no, we're so proud of He's you. Like, there you go. It's like uh, two weeks. He's on. already part of the comedy routine. Right. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So you know, I didn't know anything. Yeah. I mean, but I think every parent would say that. Or I mean, again, in the candid conversations that I've had with parents. Yeah. Like, we didn't know. And even the stuff we Googled and ran and tried oh, to do God. all the right yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, we had, I mean, I just, my parents, they were like, you know, pack a six pack of Coors Light and there's three of four of us running around. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm glad we're all still alive. My, my parents, now, my mom has passed away. My dad's going to be 85 in April. Okay. My mom, when she came out to visit and we were really stressing about the car seat, she's like, ugh. When you kids yes. were little, I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. this is going to explain a lot. Yeah. And you just really just stood up in the back of the car yeah. and had it on. And I thought, oh, she's not wrong. Yeah, like, right? That is true. We did not have car seats. I mean, there were seatbelts in those cars, but I don't yeah. even think she had a seatbelt in. I mean, but it's but a different day and age. And you know? also that, yeah. I was going to say, if you're going for 16 year old, just get him an old junker. Oh it's gosh. like you could run it through anything yeah. and you're still good. You'll be paying a lot for your other situation, but. Yeah. I yeah. mean, my mom was so, I would say, and we lived pretty far from school and grocery stores, and so it was always a drive, and I'd say, I have to go to the bathroom. Well, there's a potty in the back, and we'd crawl, the station wagon, crawl over the three seats into the back and Seriously? go to the bathroom oh. while we were driving. Okay. Maybe that's what we need to market is potty in the car. So, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to say, hats off to my mom, because now I am that person that can go to the bathroom anywhere. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anywhere. Camping, <laughs> doesn't matter. Parking lot. I don't care. Give it to me. Me. No the, problem. The life skills you learn, but and and it's not that the parents, our parents, weren't trying. Like my mom was stay at home mom, and God bless her, four kids, yeah. three boys. That was our four kids. Yeah, yeah. that's no easy task. Yeah. Oh, good. This is perfect. We we have one squeaky toy. You have music. And then we got On yeah, your this podcast, is, which is super perfect. cool. This is the one squeaky toy we have. But look at that face. She's right here too. Can we get a different toy? No. Um. But yeah, it's not that our parents. I don't think weren't trying or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's just. The last couple days, lacks of days of cold ways yeah. around it. Yeah, it's. But I almost think that's kind of good to take note off too, because we can't be so controlling of no. things. And I speak of my dogs when I talk about this. Case in point, um, using her voice over here, it's you gotta just let some stuff work its way out. Oh, which yes. is also a skill set in itself. Absolutely. So absolutely. And your kids are learning. They're watching you. They're watching yeah. to see how you respond and how you come back. Yes. You know, and I'm honest with my kids. We had two weeks ago a really rough, rough couple of days. I'm not gonna lie. It was brutal. I cried. And at one point after dinner, they just would not quit with each other. Okay. Fighting, 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 fighting. And I said to them, I'm tapping out. Yeah, it's too much. I'm going upstairs. You guys can wrap up down here, which I know means the next morning I'm gonna come down, and there's like what in the a hell hole happened? in the wall Who and invited the 16 hippos <laughs> into the house and like seriously i came home the other day and i looked outside on the back table that's you know got however much snow we got and there's a cinnamon container and then there's cinnamon all over the snow and i said i i know what happened but i just really feel the need to hear them explain what happened because that's usually most of the fun yeah hey guys can you come over here for a second um, could somebody explain to me why there's cinnamon out here that's now empty? It was Costco-sized cinnamon. Oh, yes. And cinnamon all over the snow. And they looked at me as if I was so stupid because <laughs> everybody knows what they were doing. And the oldest one shrugs, and he used his four words during this time. And he's like, we were eating the snow with cinnamon. Like that. Like, duh. Duh. And walks away, okay. and I thought... 
Well, this is low sugar. Okay. I, I mean, I, this, I knew you were doing that. I just wanted to hear if you were going to come up with something better than the obvious. Like, wow. Okay. Is that a thing now? Cinnamon and snow? My oldest loves to cook, and okay. he will just try the weirdest things. My rule for him is cook whatever you'd like, but you have to eat it. Oh, okay. You have to at least try it. That's my rule. <laughs> and he'll walk around with cinnamon sticks in his mouth. Oh, and then, okay. Like, he'll try... I don't know what he tried the other day, and I remember watching him take it on the spoon, and I thought, you might want to back out Ugh. of that just a little bit. Just let, one way to learn. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So is cooking kind of like his jam? He, 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 he's more of a scientist. I don't know. Cooking gives oh, well, that the kind image of overlays. That, that it's edible and you can <laughs> eat it after. He, w he will cook dinner. You know, if okay. I say, hey, can you figure out dinner for Thursday, he'll come up with something. Okay. But, yeah. So, but he's more into, like, let's raid the spice cabinet and see what kind of weird experiments we can do cinnamon snow i've not heard that that's that's cinnamon funny. in the snow yeah. okay so i that's, mean i guess I, duh it's yeah. we've had a plethora of snow so eat your heart out at this point yeah, i said i mean Holy you can cow. shovel it while you're at it but oh obviously not. you're just gonna put cinnamon <laughs> sprinkle cinnamon around and eat it that's fine <laughs> and so i'm actually a huge cinnamon fan and it's very good for you so they're yeah. on the right track um but it really does get into everything like every time I'm, I put it in my coffee, and then it, somehow it's all over the counter. Oh, yeah. It like gets glitter. everywhere. Yeah. It's, yeah, which I also have glitter. I mean, so yeah. between cinnamon and glitter, you got to be yeah. careful at the dollhouse. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's good times. All right, why would we sensitive time? Um, Debbie is a bright light. I I so love how like the mm. journey. Thank you for being so transparent and yeah, honest absolutely. about all of it. But how your journey has kind of culminated to right now, and mm. I can't wait to see even like maybe like six months to a year from now. Um, what what transpires and I'm so happy to hear that you are guiding two of our young humans lives yeah, and too. kind of putting that into the forefront. They're not quite as happy with it but well, they'll be okay. <laughs> well they're, said every kid ever. I it's mean. It's just the, the universe dealt them <laughs> me as the card. So. I love it so much. I think if they start to see some of their friends' parents they'll be like mom's not that bad. Yeah, like, we're, okay. we're down we'll with keep, mom. We'll keep our moms. Yeah. <laughs> she lets us eat cinnamon snow and you know do the hippo thing when at night. She so. doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well thank you for having me. Yes. I loved it. Um, where do we find you? Give us social yeah. media, email. And she has hilarious emails she sends out. That, that I've only gotten a few, I think, but oh, it's around yeah. the kiddos. And subscribe. Yes. They're so really good. You can find me. My website is debbieshearspeaks.com. And if you want a weekly dose of humor, and they're really easy. It's like a 30-second yeah. read. Um, you just subscribe to it, and you'll get that. Um, once a week and hopefully it'll give you a little giggle and then Facebook is Debbie Shear Speaks Instagram is Debbie Shear Speaks it's pretty much and I'll common, post all of this as well theme. Yeah. Um, and your event one more time February 24th yeah, so February 24th at Hope Tank which is an amazing store in Denver and it's Moms on the Mic so if you're a mom come on by it's $10 ticket because um, half goes to WeCycle which is a oh. great organization. Um, also, if you bring diapers, new, please, not used, <laughs> diapers, uh, Hope Tank will give you 10% off a purchase. Aww. And then uh, the other portion of the proceeds will go back to Hope Tank to continue to work that they do in the community. So wow. it's a great okay. event, which also has kind of a yummy feel to it. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, that's amazing. I'll try and get this up before then. Yeah, oh. Fantastic. I have semi semi quick turnover, um, but we'll try and get it. February twenty fourth is actually my mom's birthday, so oh, I remember. Yay. I know, yeah. um, but I'll definitely come check out yes, an event. Please do. Um, we've got an event uh, tonight at House of Pod. I don't know if you've ever heard. I just Sarah um, Blanchard. So 
Uh, she's they highlight different guests. I think it's women in in business or something okay. around podcasts. But she's interviewing Ooh, them. So it's tonight. I, love it. I won't have this up today, but you're more yeah. than welcome to come. It's five thirty tonight at House of Pod. Okay. Um, but it's this really cool community of like Denver, like business women. I want to say entrepreneurs, oh, leaders, kind of coming together. Okay. Um, so we'll definitely come see what you have going on. Yeah. But Fantastic. thank you for well, spending time you. and energy. Um, and I'll keep our the audience updated on what's yeah. what's happening I next. It. Thank, yes. you. thank you. Thanks Debbie. for doing what you do. Yes. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.